Just rolling. All right. Three, two, one. All right, guys, as promised, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Keith Pompey, the longtime Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, I saw you in person about a year ago now when the Sixers played the Jazz, and it's crazy to say this, because things are always, as chaotic as they are in Knicks land, they're always really chaotic in Sixers land, but this is about as crazy as it's ever gotten, and there hasn't even been a game played yet uh James Harden everyone knows the story but what 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 is the latest on that situation and how it could potentially resolve or, or start to resolve as we head into the season yeah it's crazy I guess you know the latest is that there's really not a lot of options out there for for the Sixers in regards to making a trade with James you know the thing with the Clippers that we know that happened a couple of weeks ago that that became off the table and James came out and called Daryl Morey a liar. And then, you know, the league find James Harden. You know, right now, I think they're in a wait and see uh, approach, like in wait and see, meaning is James going to report to training camp? And if not, how long is he not going to be a part of the team? Like, is he going to if he goes past 30 days, then the league has a, a right to not allow him or the Sixers have a right to not allow him to get out of his contract. He's in the final year of his deal. And if he does come to training camp, how is he going to perform? How is he going to act? Is he going to be a teammate, a good teammate, or is he going to make a mockery of the system? So um, it's really the Sixers are in a a tough situation right now because there's a lot of the unknown. And I, I hate to say it, like, you know, if James Harden comes out and he's really disruptive or if he's if he's really disruptive, I think it could mess up the Sixers season. You know, it really like the Sixers have a lot of lofty expectations this year. But if he comes in and, and messes things up, I, I think that the season could go south. How, how do you think this I, it, it's impossible to predict, but how, how do you think this ultimately ends? Wow. Like you said, it's really tough to predict, um, and and it's hard just because I really, you know, you're around James, but he hasn't been around as as many players have in in the past. He's only been there for a year and a half, and he's kind of like a private person. Um, you know, you you hope for the Sixers' sake, you know, you hope that it gets resolved. Whereas you know James is here and he gets traded, you know, he plays out. Um, so I, I think that ultimately we could possibly see him trade it. The only problem is with that is he makes so much money. He's in the final year of his contract. He's 34 years old. So in order for the Sixers to trade him, they would have to lower their value, their trade value that they have of him. So, I mean, I think that could happen. And if not, I, I think it could be a, a loss year for the Sixers, meaning whereas James just doesn't report. He doesn't come back. And it's one of those things where they just say, hey, we have to move forward without him. But I do think at the end that he'll probably get traded. I, I think the the logical follow-up that's on the minds of every Knicks fan listening, that they're all screaming into their phones, what does this mean for Joel Embiid, Keith? I mean, how is he, like, just, just from what you've heard, like, what's what have his general feelings been on this situation after obviously a really disappointing end to last year's playoffs? You know, I, I think right now, and, and you see the, the photos of Joel, like, I don't know if people in New York saw, but everyone in Philly saw, and they're shaking their head, like, what are you doing? But you see, you know, the, the uh, 
Josh Harris, the uh, managing partner of the Sixers, is also the managing partner of the Washington uh, uh, Commanders, right? Formerly the Redskins. Yeah. And Joel Embiid was at the season opener with um, with Magic Johnson, Josh Harris, and you know, just enjoying himself. You also hear that Joel Embiid has had kept uh, communications with the Sixers in regards to you know what's happening, you know, this upcoming season, but. Is one of those things where a lot of people are paying close attention to it to see how it unravels because the worst kept secret in the NBA and especially in the, in Philadelphia is the New York Knicks' desire to have Joel Embiid. And if this thing goes left, you look at Joel Embiid, and if the Sixers decide to do a rebuild, the best way to get assets, the best ways to do a lot of things is by trading um, Joel Embiid and the Knicks have acquired a lot of assets that they're willing to give up for Joel. So I think that, you know, that's one of the things that to pay close attention to for everyone, the people in New York, the people in Philadelphia. But right now, you know, it seems to be that the word that's coming out is that Joel has kept in constant communication with them. But I don't think that if this season is a failure, right? I don't think that we'll probably, and I could be wrong, but I don't see Joel like uh, being here through his four-year extension. I, I think that Joel would ultimately be moved, and I feel like the Sixers will go in the rebuilding thing, and and I think that the Knicks could get him. I'm not saying they will get him, but I think that that could be a, a very good option for New York. Now, I don't think it would happen this season. I think that it will be something, you know, down the road. Yeah, it just it feels like one of those situations where w what's going to change in Philly that all of a sudden makes them a championship contender. And look, there, there could be and I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about it a lot on your show. There's probably some room for self-reflection there mm -hmm. on Joel's part. Like, hey, what could I have done differently? Like if I had a different end to game six or if I'd had a very different game seven, like would we have been in the conference finals? Um, but I, I don't really see him putting that on himself ultimately. And, and in his defense, like outside of the, the Jimmy Butler year where they lost to the Raptors, like you can argue that he hasn't had an adequate supporting cast to carry a team to a championship. Whatever his postseason failings are, there, there have certainly been equal failings from the Sixers front office to the coaching staff to surround him with the right talent at the right moments um, to get this done ultimately. Um, but you, you say you don't think this will happen this season. Like, like, is there a world where it does like how bad would things have to get for Joel to look and say, Hey, like it, it's just not going to happen here. Because I, I think to your point, like he so obviously loves Philadelphia. He clearly wants to get this done in Philadelphia. Like it, it's, it's going to take a lot for him to get to a point where he's like, All right, I'd rather be somewhere else, but it feels like a lot's already happened. And the worst maybe is yet to come. Yeah. I, I think when when you talk about Joel Embiid and, and the thing, the reason being is because I feel like there's, you know, Joel Embiid, you, you can argue that Joel Embiid, when he comes to play, that he's the most dominant player or most unstoppable player in the NBA when he's when he's focused and he really is, you know, ready to ready to come to play. So I think that there's going to be a lot of options for him, right, via trade. There's going to be some things. But I, I think that type of stuff, there's going to be a lot of suitors to come get him as well. So I, I think that's something that you just don't turn around right now, right? I, I think that there's going to be a lot of, 
you know, things that are going to come available. And also, not only that, it's one of those things where you look at it and, you know, so you have Paul Reed, you have Joel Embiid. Um, they don't have a lot of other guys on the roster <laughs> who who um, are coming back next year. Like yeah. they have a lot of guys signed to one-year deals and guys in the expiring year of their contract. So with the free agency thing coming up, you know, they can say, hey, Joel, what about this guy? Do you want to play with this guy? What about that guy or this and that? So I feel like it's one of those things where in order for you to trade Joel right now, you want to wait until you exhaust all your other options and see what he wants to do. And I think there's a lot of things why they're keeping, you know, um, constant communications with them to see what they can do to make this roster better. Because let's face it, you know, in the ideal world, you would go out there and you would get another max level player. Then you would sign Tyrese Maxey. And then you would build the roster around those guys. Now you do have Paul Reed, who's, who's a, you know, a five, four or four or five, whatever you have. But at that point, I feel like you want to exhaust all the other options before you say, Hey, we're going to trade Joel now and then go out there and get some things because let's look, let's face it, the Knicks, right? The Knicks are a team now that have, that are extend, ascending. So yes, the Knicks will have, you know, uh, some draft picks and other things like that. But right about now, when we look at it, the Knicks are becoming a better team. It's different from where you got to hope and pray that the picks that the Knicks are getting from someone else are going to be bad picks because you know, right now it's not like it's OKC or or Detroit Pistons or someone where you know it's going to be a definite lottery pick. So, you know, those are the, the things right there. And then who are the players that you're going to get in return? You're not getting Jalen Brunson, you know. You're, so, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. But I do think that the Knicks are a great option. I just don't think that the Sixers will make that move right now any move right now yeah I, I i agree with you i mean that's never been daryl morey's mo right he, he's always the guy yeah. who's robbing teams that are that are rebuilding or, or for <laughs> forcing teams to go into rebuild he's always a star ideally two uh three if you can swing it and the reason part of the reason he left houston was because he, he didn't have any kind of appetite to rebuild there and and he wanted to win right away and now it's it's looking like um that could at least be a possibility for them because i mean to your point they're they're like you, you've heard his comments that he he wants to maintain maximum flexibility for 2024, but then you look at who's a free agent in 2024, and, and this has been pointed out by by other people smarter than me. But uh, a lot of the best options are the Sixers guys, right? James Harden, Tobias Harris, um, mm-hmm. like who, um, like who else would be a target for them? Like you're you're looking at maybe like the duo from Toronto, like Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. OG and Anobi, and 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 that's who Maury has his eye on, and like a trio of Maxi and Anobi and Embiid. But you, you don't see that one guy that. I mean, one just, I mean, from a pure basketball perspective that you're going to say clearly puts you over the top, but also that one guy you could bring to Joel Embiid and say, hey, this is who you're going to win with. And I think the bet, and and let me know if I'm off on this, Keith, like maybe more than anything else is just that Tyrese Maxey takes that next jump, becomes a perennial all-star, and and, and he's kind of the guy who convinces Embiid, I want to be here because at, at least for me, outside looking in, I don't necessarily see the players like, oh, they get this guy. And Joel says, all right, that, that's great. I'm here for five years. Yeah. I mean, and then the thing is, like, there are some older players, you know, who are going to be free agents like Kawhi Leonard, things like that. And on paper, you know, that sounds good. Right. 
But then when you realize, you look at it and you say, well, since he led Toronto to the championship, how many games has he been available, right? You know, things like that. So, yeah, it, it's really not a lot of options out there. However, but there are going to be some teams that are going to be willing to trade guys because let's face it, right now with this new collective bargaining and, and teams do not want to get in the luxury tax and, and, and all those things. So there may be some teams that are, are willing to, 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 to send players to the 76ers. But again, you know, once you decide that you're getting rid of Joel Embiid and you, you, you alluded to, I mean, you said one thing about Daryl Morey, he doesn't like the hard rebuilds, right? The, but once you decide that you're getting rid of Joel Embiid, well, you know, you, you're basically saying we're going to the process part two. That's what you're basically admitting. And I don't know if they want to do that. You yeah. know, just I mean, I, I, I've just got to imagine just from like the Sixers fans perspective, right? You went through four years of hell. There, there were There were books written about it. And the promise was, hey, we are going to have this loaded team. But because like they didn't necessarily maximize all those picks, there was certainly like you look at Markel Fultz, you look at Ben Simmons, like we can go on and on and on. There were there were some bad breaks along the way, not taking uh, Philly's native son, Mikhail Bridges. Like, again, like, I mean, I, I, I say this is someone who has gone through with the Knicks before. Right. Like we've been told, like, all right, we're going to we're going to rebuild. Oh, no, you know, what? let's just swing for a star first. Like, let's just wait a few more years. Um there, there have been bad moments here as well, but I just cannot imagine there's any kind of appetite there for like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna suck for three, four years, and we, and we did actually get one truly transcendent superstar of that process, one MVP, and now we're trading him to our crosstown rivals in, in New York. But Keith, I, I wanna I wanna ask a question that I I think some people have asked, but m- maybe hasn't been asked enough: Should the Knicks be all in on Joel Embiid, a guy who, to your point? Like no one can question his regular season credentials at this point. MVP led the NBA in scoring each of the last two years. Um, we we noted it earlier, but the postseason track record is a little bit spotty, not just in his team success, but also in his individual success. Like there are a million tweets over the summer showing every single stat out there. Like they all seem to go down in the playoffs for Joel Embiid, and not in the way that they go down normally for superstars, but substantially. Um, let's just say the Knicks like had a core of Jalen Brunson and Joel Embiid for a guy who is heading into his thirties. And keep in mind, there, there hasn't been a center who's made an all NBA team in their thirties since I think it was Marcus Gasol in 2015 was the last one. Like, how do you expect Embiid to age? And even if he ages well, like, can he be the number one guy at a championship team? If the supporting cast is better than what he's had in Philadelphia. You know what? I, I like, I like Embiid for the Knicks. I do. And, and I understand everything that you said, you know, um, I understand his injury history. Um, but when I look at that team and I look at Jalen Brunson, who is arguably one of the most underrated players in the NBA, you know, right now we talk about the leadership. We talk about the selflessness that he plays with, um, you know, I, I, and, and then you also talk about MB's relationship with the front office, you know, um, the same relationship that Jalen Brunson had. <laughs> you know, before he came. Um, I honestly think that Embiid would be the missing piece for, for the Knicks. Now, again, I, when I look at Embiid and I look at Brunson, you look at him and, and you say to yourself, is this kind of sort of like how, it, it, at worst case scenario, it could be how like uh, Shaq was when he went to the Miami Heat, 
with them, you got in a, a young guy in Dwayne Wade. And I'm not saying, you know, Jalen Brunson and, and Dwayne Wade are completely different players. But where it is, is you have a guy who just had a presence enough to open up things for other people. And then when you look at it, you also look at Joel Embiid. What's the one thing that Joel Embiid hasn't had yet? A championship, right? You know, Joel Embiid has got MVP. You know, he's been injured. He hasn't gotten out of the second round. So whereas you go to another place and then sometimes the expectations in you may not be as high as they were in yeah. Philadelphia. And what, what do you do? You say, hey, guess what? I welcome. I don't have to be the man, but I, I'll be someone that be recognized as as a champion. And it's not the first time that things like this has happened. You look at and I'm going to go back in history. You look at Wilt Chamberlain, right? Mm-hmm. So Wilt Chamberlain was the man for the Sixers. He was the man for the the Wizards, when Philadelphia, um, excuse me, the Philadelphia Warriors, the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. But the one thing is when he went to the Lakers, he's made a lot of sacrifices and they won a championship. And we're talking about a Lakers team that had Jerry West and they couldn't get it done. And Wilt Chamberlain comes. So, again, this has happened before with Shaq. It's happened with Wilt. And I think that with a guy like um, Joel, because when Joel comes to play, he's unstoppable. And I feel like that will be a perfect fit, you know, with Leon Rose, Jalen Brunson. It'd be like a a former CAA convention. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it it could work out well in New York. I do. Yeah. I I, I, I mean, Keith, you you took the words out of my mouth. Like when we, when we talked about, a potential deal earlier this summer, I was kind of making the argument. It's less of a bet on Joel Embiid and more of a bet on, on who you think Jalen Brunson can be. And we, we've seen the playoffs, right? Like what did he put up against the, the last three games of that series against the Miami Heat, the team that made the Eastern conference finals, like 37, five and five, like 40, what was it? 43 points in, in game six. Like he, he has shown that he is an absolute playoff killer. And, and I think to your point that there's that I, I think Embiid would thrive in a role where it's like, Hey, you can, dominate the first three quarters you are going to maybe be asked to do a little bit less on offense and you can commit that much more defensively and, and and be who he has been at his peak which is like right there with Rudy Gobert for the best defensive player in basketball over the last five years and and when it comes down to crunch time like you have a guy who can always get a shot in Jalen Brunson who can always ideally set him beat up for an easy shot in Jalen Brunson I, I think the Knicks are building depth to the point that they're going to be tertiary options that are good there's always going to be shooting on the floor around Embiid and they have this core and they have a star in Brunson that I think makes Embiid's life that much easier while also allowing Embiid to be the star during the regular season, right? Like he, he's still not taking second billing to Jalen Brunson. He's still going to be the guy, at least for the first few years there that would be competing for MVPs. Um, I, I think it is a match made in heaven in a lot of ways. And if you're the Knicks, the, the biggest thing you're betting on is that you can keep him healthy, that you can, um, maybe have him play a little bit less in the regular season that he's going to age well because of like, and I, I think I, I'm curious if you'd agree with this, but because of how good of a shooter he is, because of how skilled he is, because of his size and strength that just isn't going away. And even if he loses 5% of his athleticism, you might see a savvier version of Joel Embiid and Brunson at the end of the day. I mean, he just represents the most reliable co-star he's ever had outside of the, what was it? 40 something games of Jimmy Butler that he got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and outside of Brunson though, like, you know, we talk about there's Julius Randle, of course, yeah. 
you know, all-star, you know, he made the all-star team. You have Josh Hart who came in last year, you know, now you have, you have a couple other players. Like who would you say on the Knicks is the, uh, now I, I guess Brunson is the head of the snake, but out, but outside of that, who would you say, or, or who's the second uh, best player on the team? Yeah, I, I still think it's Julius Randle. We've seen a lot of Julius uh, disrespect this summer. Like he, I think CBS had him in their player rankings behind Fred Van Vliet, behind Victor Wembanyama, behind DeJounte Murray. And this is a guy who made third-team All-NBA last season. And it made an All-NBA team for the second time in three seasons. It was an All-Star for the second time in three seasons. Obviously, the playoffs were not good, but he was playing on a sprained ankle that he then re-sprained against the Miami Heat. So he is... Look, I mean, for large stretches of last year, like he probably wasn't number two. He was number one. Like, again, in midseason, all, all, all the media, all the coaches looked at it and said, hey, Julius is the best guy on that team, not Jalen Brunson. And maybe some of that was the point guard depth in the Eastern Conference. But um, there was a legitimate argument, like who was carrying who last year. So I, I think it's pretty clearly Julius Randle. And, and we, we just did a whole podcast on it yesterday. But the Knicks are, are just so reliant. Like Vegas only has the Knicks at 44 and a half wins this year. And we... We kind of look at that and say, that's ridiculous. They went 47 last year, 57 win pace with Josh Hart. What are they seeing? And I I think they're seeing that every other season has been on the Knicks. Julius Randle has tanked and and Keith, that's kind of the big question on the Knicks. Harden's a more obvious one, but if if Randle um, takes a nosedive again, like the Knicks could be just as risky of a bet as the Sixers are. And I'm kind of curious what your take is on, on which team is better this year, because when we do are like kind of mock Eastern conference standings. I've seen a lot of people putting Philly down, putting them closer to five or six. And, and there's, it's this weird thing where like with Milwaukee getting older with Boston, having the Chris Taps Porzingis injury, like if the Harden thing wasn't such an open question, you can make a compelling case. Like, Hey, Philly's probably the best regular season team in the East next year. And right now I have them down more like five, six or seven, but is that, am I underrating the infrastructure that Philadelphia is bringing back? Or, or do you think it could actually go that bad? I think you're a little bit underrating the in- infrastructure that they have. And, and the only reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, when we look at it, Embiid, when he wants to play, he's still the most dominant, in my yeah. opinion, big man, the most dominant. And and I look at it as if that I think that, you know, you, you got to understand something about the Sixers and there's it, a little bit dangerous uh, things going on right now. And what I mean by that is, You have a guy like Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is a one guy who a lot of people on the Sixers and people in Philadelphia, they look at the contract and they get a little like, oh, man, they're paying him all this money and he's a fourth option. He's this and that. But the one thing that you have to give Tobias Harris credit for is whenever they're undermanned and whenever someone's not there, he always steps up. Now, is he you you can make an argument that he got paid royally as to to be a guy who was not an all-star but you also got to understand that he got paid that money because he was playing at an all-star level when he was with the clippers he just didn't make it there was a season um i want to say the uh the season that doc rivers first season with the sixers you can argue that tobias harris should have made all-star but it came down to him and Julius Randle and Julius Randle got it so I feel like with Tobias Harris being in the final year of his deal wanting to show everybody that hey I'm I I should still my next contract should be lucrative I do expect him to have a a, a good year especially if James isn't here 
Then there's the thing about Tyrese Maxey. You know, Tyrese Maxey is a guy in Philadelphia that, you know, could be a sleeper for the most improved player, right? Tyrese Maxey was on a tear last year. I believe in the third or fourth game of the season, he had 44 points. Um, But it got to a thing where he got injured. Next thing you know, the problem is him and James Harden don't make a quality defensive backcourt. So what happens is you're not going to bench James Harden. So what happened? Maxie had to come off the bench. So I feel like when you have those guys, I think those two can elevate their play. And then you have a couple other guys coming off the bench that will help them out to where there's a lot of teams sleeping on them. And when we talk about like five, six, and seven, there's one team that I think a lot of people early on in the preseason, and they get more props than the Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks. Everybody says we look at the Hawks, we look at the young core, we look at, um, you know, uh, uh, Trey Young, and we say, the Hawks are going to be that team. And then when the season comes around, you always see the Knicks lately getting above them, right? You, you see other teams. And I look at like the Toronto Raptors. I don't expect them to be good this year. Other ones. I think that when we look at the East, there's going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. There's going to be the Boston Celtics. I think the Knicks are going to be in the mix. I think the Sixers are going to be in the mix. But Outside of that, there's a whole bunch of question marks. And as yeah. long as you have Joel and Bede, I feel like they're going to be – now, I don't – like the playoffs is a different story. But when we're talking about an 82-game regular season, you know, every I, I feel like they're going to be cool. Now, another team that people are going to give props to is going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Everybody's going to talk about Cleveland. But what happened when they played the, the Knicks in the playoffs, right? You know, and I also feel like, right? So I'll, I, I, people don't want to talk about it. It's, it's people don't want to I talk see about Evan Mobley was ahead of Julius Randle on that list. Like he, yeah. Julius busted him on a broken. Yeah, you know, we don't. We don't. I, I don't need to get fired up, Keith. Yeah, go ahead. And here's something else they don't want to talk yeah. about. The thing about Cleveland is they had so many young players who basically made All Star the year before. They didn't make it last year. I want to see what that dynamic's going to be because yeah. there are going to be certain guys who are like, hey, I made All-Star the year before. I didn't make it this year. You guys made changes. They're going to want to make All-Star this year, and they're not going to. So right now, they remind me of the Sixers when they had all that talent where guys, yes, they all talk about the team, but at the same time, they want to get this individual goals. And – you know, you got to get the buy-in. So I think the Sixers are going to be okay because I don't believe in the Hawks right now. Um, I, right now, there's too many question marks with Cleveland, although even though they're hyped up. So I feel like the Sixers are going to be, you know, the third or fourth team in the regular season. That's my opinion. Yeah, I could I could definitely see it. And I, I, think, I, I think they're – everyone's talking about what they lose in James Harden. There's some stuff they gain when, when James Harden isn't there. I, I think a, a empowered Tyrese Maxey is, is the single biggest thing. The ability to put more defense on the floor, whether it's DeAnthony Melton or, or whoever else takes that starting spot. Um, I, I think they're going to – you, you it's, it's hard to underrate what Harden um, – or I guess overrate what Harden brought as a playmaker leading the NBA in assists last year. But I, I do think there's going to be better flow. And and you'll have a little bit less of like, all right, it's James's turn to dominate the offense. All right, Joel's turn to dominate the offense and and maybe a more 
cohesive product. And I, I guess to that point, I mean, at, at least on my end, Keith, this is my last question. Like, what, what, what does Nick Nurse do for the Sixers? And is, is this a case of like shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic or, or do you see him as an upgrade over Doc Rivers? You know, it's funny. It's good you say that shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, in, in a way, um, I, you know, it, I, I think that Nick Nurse is good for the Sixers. Now, I, I do think that Nick Nurse came into a bad situation. I do. Because, you know, let's face it, you know, Nick Nurse was a finalist for the Bucks job. He was a finalist for the Phoenix Suns job. Although he does have Joel Embiid, you look back at it and you say, wow, these other two teams, like, you know, you look at it right now and they're going to be pretty good. I think the one thing that you don't count Nick Nurse out for, because Nick Nurse is a guy who is known for making uh crazy adjustments and that's the best way to describe it right he, he he thinks outside of the box and right now when you have this team that has the issues you can't you you can't be traditional like you have to think outside of the box to be successful with this team um you know i i i think that but again i think that he would prefer if the the james harden situation was settled heading into the season, but, you know, you got to give them a chance. Now, the one thing is, let, let, let's let be real. The regular season and the playoffs are completely different. If you don't have the horses in the playoffs, you're not going to go far. So although I think the 76ers are going to be a quality regular season team, until they get a legitimate point guard or someone like that or another – "Quote unquote All Star," unless Maxi can develop into that, I don't see them getting out of the second round. Like I don't see them doing it, and they may struggle in the first round. But as far as the regular season, you know how it is—eighty-two games. Now they're going to have the end-season tournament. It's going to be a lot of things. You win off of having a Joel and B type of player, other guys. But I don't know when it comes down to strategizing over a seven game series that this team without a legitimate point guard can win a championship, but can they rack up a lot of regular season wins? Yeah, you can, you can, because you don't, you don't prepare for a team like you do in the playoffs. I I, I think so as well. I think, Philly potentially going to surprise some people and I'm, I'm looking forward to it from a Knicks perspective, right? Because I mean, two, two of the most historic franchises in the NBA, but there, there's never really been a lot of overlap where they've both been good at the same time. To your point, Philadelphia with, with Wilt, with Billy Cunningham, amazing in the late sixties. Then the Knicks took over early seventies, eighties. Um, um, Philadelphia was really good in the early part of that decade. The Knicks make their rise in the nineties, the AI era in Philly, the Knicks sucked for that whole stretch. And, and now we, we finally kind of have a moment where, where these two, Franchises that have suffered so much are, are good at the same time. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Maybe some consternation there with the Knicks trying to steal away Joel Embiid. But Keith, I know you'll be around to cover all of it. Um, before I let you go, can you tell everyone uh, where they can find all, all your great work? Yeah, you you, you can um, uh, find my great work. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. I'm no, sorry. no, 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 it's great. I'm sorry, I'm sorry about that. My, you know, my mom, my mom, I can see her smacking me now or even punching me. Like, But anyway, you can find my work in uh, – and inquire.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, and, and also just like you, uh, you know, you go to my man, you can go to the, the locked on network and, and, and get the podcast and, and stuff like that. 
All right. Thanks a lot, Keith. Um, and we will uh, have many more of these team previews. Um, but for now, that is some Nick Sixers talk. And we'll talk to you soon, uh, very soon, that is, on Locked on Knicks. All right. Awesome. Um, I, can, I got tongue tied. <laughs>